Buenos días. ¿Cómo están? Okay, I'll just stop the Spanish right there. Some couple gringos got nervous. It's like, oh no, he's going to speak Spanish? Hey, I'm, I'm really glad to be here this morning. <clears throat> I met your pastor when he and I were both at Lakewood Church. He was the youth pastor and I was the Spanish pastor out there. And uh, I was immediately drawn to this young man who there was just this radiance and splendor and the Shekinah glory of God just shone off of his forehead in this amazing way. And anybody that could pull that off was just awesome. And um, I heard that this morning <laughs> he's out there running the uh, Houston Marathon. Mm. I've had those thoughts too about running in the Houston Marathon, and usually when a thought like that comes to my brain, I take that thought and submit it in Jesus' name and step on it, rebuke it, and then I run to the fridge, get some breakfast or something. Well, I wish him the best. I hope he does great today. In fact, I'm looking at, you know, they say that uh, churches will look a lot like their pastors. And I see several of you with the Shekinah glory of God shining <laughs> off the top of your heads, too, you know. I don't know if it was uh, Pastor Frank here or not. <laughs> You're laughing over there, Sylvester. I see you. If it was him or who said, you know, that uh, God only made a few perfect heads and all the rest of them he covered with hair, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I'm really happy to hear what God's doing <clears throat> in your midst here at Celebration Church. Um, I've followed it not very closely, but closely, close enough to know that God's doing great things. And we're really proud of you guys up here at Celebration Church and really glad to be here with you this morning. I hope I add value to your life and hopefully you'll walk away encouraged. In fact, I'm just going to prophesy it over you right now. In Jesus' name, you will walk away encouraged because the word of God, when it's spoken and when it's enlightened to our hearts, we will walk away encouraged. Amen. So thank you for, for having me this morning. And yes, go Broncos, by the way. You know, anybody that'll do anything bad to the Patriots or a friend of mine. Now, I'm, I don't know if you're a Patriots fan, but you know, God bless them anyway. Boy, things got really quiet in here when we deal with those subjects. You know, there's two things Christians we love to do. Thing number one, Christians love to eat. Have you noticed this about Christians? I mean, we might not smoke and chew and run around with those who do, but we sure love to eat. We'll find any excuse to eat. We'll make dinner on the grounds. Did any of you grow up in a church where they had dinner on the grounds? Potlucks, you'd bring, everybody would bring a dish and we'd spend all day eating. Sounds like revival to me. Because as you can tell, God speaks to me through food. Mm -hmm. I've spent a long time building this temple of the Holy Spirit that you see standing in front of you here today. In fact, if you've ever been to a Hispanic church, you'll know that at the end of services, most Hispanic churches will be out there selling tacos and burritos and tamales and enchiladas. And it's really amazing. In most Hispanic churches, they'll always call it pro templo. This means it's for the construction fund of the church. They, they sell the tacos for the construction fund to build the temple. The interesting thing is that it takes years and years and years, and you don't see anything being built except lots of temples of the Holy Spirit getting bigger and bigger. I know some people have been building their temple of the Holy Spirit so much that in fact they're turning into cathedrals of the Holy Spirit. Lots of room for the Spirit to move if you know what I'm talking about. And I'm looking around, there's several of you, I'm not going to look any direction particularly, but you know who you are. God's been really good to some of you in this room. In fact, some could use some praying and fasting, if you know what I mean. <laughs> 
all right, I'm going to move right along. The second thing Christians love to do is we love to sing, right? I mean, we'll sing and sing and sing. We love to sing. And that's a really cool thing, too, you know. I'll never forget one time this newspaper uh, lady in Chile, in South America, she comes up to me and she's, she almost acts like she's angry. She says, Marcos, wait, why do Christians sing so much? And she had this frown on her face. And I said, well, that's real simple. People are in love with each other. They sing to each other. And Christians, we're in love with Jesus. That's why we always sing to Jesus. Isn't that right? Are you in love with Jesus this morning? I hope I answered right. But we love to sing. In fact, I, you know, I grew up in church my whole life. I'm fifth-generation preacher on my mother's side, fourth-generation preacher on my dad's side. In other words, I didn't have a choice. I had to be a preacher. It's in the veins. But we grew up in church my whole life, and we had this really interesting time during our service, which was called special songs time. Okay, I grew up in a Hispanic church in Mexico, and it was called cantos especiales time. And this was basically an open microphone. This was way before the Japanese came up with the concept of karaoke, right? The Christians invented karaoke a long time before Japanese did because you could go to church and have karaoke. You open up the microphone, the pastor would get up and say, does anybody have anything they want to sing? And oh, 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 there'd come somebody, whether they sang or not, they'd stand in the front of the church and they'd say amazing things like this. I don't know how to sing. <laughs> they'd come right out and say that. But I want to sing this song to the honor and the glory of God. Oh, that sounded so spiritual until they started to sing. <laughs> they would open up their mouth, sounds would start coming out, and that's when all of us knew they were right. They don't know how to sing. And you're sitting there listening to this going, oh my goodness. Those of us who are musicians, I'll never forget there was this one hermana. She would come up and she'd stand in front and she used this little finger. She'd turn it to, to us over at the instruments and she'd wag her finger like this and say, give me the key of G. Like this. Key of G, please. Now, I know she didn't know the difference between the key of G or the key of Z because I gave her the key of G a thousand times and she never hit it. She'd start off in any key she wanted. We're all scrambling to figure out where she was. She'd say things really cute like this. Don't listen to my voice. There's one for you. Listen to the words of this song. Oh, that sounds so spiritual. Until you had to hear her voice. I always just think, if she wants us to hear the words of the song, can't she just make photostatic copies and hand us all the words? We can just read the words and we wouldn't have to listen to her voice. Anyway, Christians, we love to sing. And you have to ask yourself, why do we sing? What is it about singing? And why is it that we spend time, as we did this morning, singing? There's got to be more to it than just filling up some time for the latecomers to show up. It's not about filling some kind of, some of you thought, oh, that was, a, that, was, that was a strong word. Well, the suit fits, put it on. It's not about waiting, waiting for the latecomers, and it's not about filling a program. There's a reason why we sing, and there's a reason why we worship, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about in the next few minutes this morning, and hopefully you'll walk away understanding why it is that we worship. There's thousands of reasons I could give you, and all of them would be biblical. There's lots of reasons why we worship God. In fact, worship is the second most talked about subject in all the scriptures. The first most talked about is righteousness, but the second most talked about subject in scripture is worship. There are more scriptures on worship than almost any other subject in the Bible. It's an important subject. 
In fact, Jesus says in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, he says the hour comes and now is when the Father is seeking worshipers who would worship him in spirit and in truth. Get this picture with me. The Father is seeking worshipers. He's looking for worshipers. I always thought that was kind of sad that the Father would have to seek worshipers. Wonder if there's any worshipers over here. Wonder if there's any worshipers over there in, in, in that section. The Father's looking. Well, nobody responded over there. Let's see. Are there any worshipers in this section over, over, over here? You think... What happened, God? I'm going to give you another chance at it. I wonder if there are any worshipers. The Father's just looking to see. Wonder if there's any worshipers in that section, right? Yeah. Now they, <laughs> now they got it. Wonder if there's any worshipers in in this part of the of the. All right. Now you guys have an opportunity to blow the roof off because now you know what's going on. Wonder if there's any worshipers over in this section. Of course there are. And you know, worship is not about making noise or singing or shouting. It's about getting off the throne of your life and allowing Jesus Christ to sit on that throne. And that's why the Father has to seek him out. Because there aren't many who are willing to get off the throne of their life and let Jesus Christ sit on the throne of their life. And let him rule and let him reign. But as we worship God, some powerful things take place. And I'm only going to give you three reasons why you should be a worshiper. Are you ready? Are you all ready over there in that section? How about over in that section? <laughs> How about in the middle here? You all ready? Hopefully, hopefully you have something you can write this down. I'm only going to give you three, and then we're all going to go have lunch. All right? Y'all go wherever you want to have lunch, and I'm going to go where I'm at, but we're all going to go have lunch somewhere, okay? So only three reasons. I could give you lots and lots and lots of reasons. In fact, there are hundreds of reasons in the Bible why we should worship. I'm not going to deal with the fact that we should worship just out of obedience. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to deal with the fact that it's an order from heaven. not going to go there either, but I'm going to give you three very important reasons why you and I need to be worshipers. So at the top of your page, just put, why should I worship? Well, that's a good question. Reason number one, it's a perspective issue. As we worship God, God becomes greater and our problems become smaller. You need to get this very clearly in your head. God becomes greater and my problems become smaller. Now, how many of you know that God knows he's great? He doesn't need me to remind him that he's great. God knows that he's great. So I don't tell God that he's great because God needs reminding that he's great. No, I tell God that he's great to remind myself that he's great because many times I forget just how great he is. Because as I'm moving along and life gives me bumps and life gives me scars and life gives me problems, a lot of times those bumps and those scars and those problems and those wrecks and those crashes that we have in life enable us to, to forget that God is as great as he is. That's why I need to remind myself continually how great is our God. God, you're great. You're powerful. You're almighty. You're all-knowing. You're sovereign. You're majestic. You're on the everlasting throne. You have all authority. You have conquered over death, over hell, over the grave, over sickness, over fear, over poverty. You are the great and mighty God. Now, when you say those things to God, you don't see God going, oh, I'm so glad you told me. I almost forgot. No, he doesn't forget, but I do. Are you out there breathing this morning? I forget. That's why I worship God to remind myself, oh God, you are wonderful. A lot of us well, in fact, I'm going to say it like this. All of us have situations that we're dealing with in our life. Amen. Anybody out there 
doesn't have a problem, please raise your hand and then pray for all the rest of us. If you don't have problems, we will all wait for you at the end of the service and let you pray for the rest of us. <laughs> but most of us have situations that we're dealing with, problems that we're dealing with, issues we're going through. Now, what happens is we start looking at that problem. This little quarter in my hand represents one of our problems. And the more we focus in on this problem, the closer we bring it in. And we're looking at the problem. Oh, my goodness. What am I going to do with that? Broomp. And how am I going to take care of that? Broomp. And if it just passes, I don't know what I'm going to do. And the more we talk about it, the more we focus on it, the closer we're bringing it in. Now, what once was a small problem, we've talked about it so much and we've analyzed it so much. And let me tell you, do we know how to analyze things in the United States of America? We can look at one tiny little thing and we can find 10,000 ways to analyze it. We can look at it this way, look at it from that way. If you don't believe me, just watch CNN or Fox News one morning and watch them analyze one little thing to death. They'll bring in 20 different experts to look at the same situation from 20 different perspectives. And the more we look at it, the closer it comes in. And before long, the only thing you can see is that problem that you have. It's blocking your view. You can't see anything else except that problem. And then, oh, here comes another little problem. And now we're analyzing this problem. We bring it in, we bring it in, and before you know it, you've got two little problems and you can't see anything. You can't see where you're going. You can't see if there's anybody out there. You don't even know how to go. Oh God, how am I even gonna make it in life? Help me, help me. And you, because you brought it in so close, that's all you can see. Some of you are going to go home today and say, what the preacher talk about? I don't know, but he put two quarters in his eyes. <laughs> and it's going to make you remember, oh, my problems. Now, here's what happens. When you tell God he's great, how great is our God? Womp. See what just happened? Oh, I can start seeing again. How great. Womp. There comes a second one. And the more you say how great is our God, the further you get from those problems. And then you look up and you see, oh, wow, that's a tiny little problem in comparison to how big God is in my life. You've got to get away from the problem. How great is our God. You see, every time you say that, your problem gets smaller. Your problem actually goes, oh, shoot, he just found out. I'm not bigger than the God that he serves that can take care of the problem. Anybody breathing out there? How great is our God? And oh, we'll see how great, how great. you hold the note out the smaller your problem's gonna be come on have some fun with me this morning see how long you can hold it out ready set go how great is our
problem's getting smaller. How I'm just going to prophesy in Jesus' name. Some of you are going to go home this afternoon and your circumstance will have changed in Jesus' name. As you lift him up and as he gets greater, your problems become smaller. Now that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean necessarily that your problem has left, but your faith has grown. That's why we worship God. It's not about filling time. It's growing our faith. Allowing God to move on our behalf. Okay, sit down. Hurry up. Hurry up. I'm not done here yet. Just. I told you I was going to give you how many points? How many have I given you? What was the first one? Helps me maintain perspective. God is great. God is big. God is huge. My problem is not. Say that with me. My problem is small compared to how great my God is. All right, that was point number one. You ready for point number two? Good. Here we go. Number two. Worship helps me maintain a spirit of thanksgiving. Just write thanksgiving. Worship helps me to maintain an attitude of thanksgiving. Now, why is it important to have an attitude of thanksgiving? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's important because it's the only way to come into God's presence. Psalms 100. Verse 2 says, enter his gates with, come on, say it out loud with me. Enter his gates with, you know what the psalmist is writing there in Psalms 100? He's writing the road map into God's presence. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Then you go into his courts with praise. And then you keep moving forward until you come into the holy of holies where the Shekinah presence of God dwelt. When Jesus Christ died at Calvary, the veil was rent from top to bottom. Jesus tore open the division, the separation that kept us from the presence of God. Now, thanks to Jesus Christ, each and every one of us in this room can come into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. But you can only come in through the gates of... It's not going to happen any other way. You start into God's presence by thanking him and saying, Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. Boy, this morning we sang a song on the blood. What a powerful song. And, and, and thank you for your blood. And thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you for your powerful word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, which comforts us and leads us and teaches us. Somebody needs to get excited in this room. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your victory at Calvary. Thank you that through your victory, I can live victorious. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for my family and my friends and the people who surround me and who love me in spite of who I am. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't cast me out on my first or second or third mistake, but you're the God of second, third, and fourth chances. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your provision. Thank you that you always fed me and you've always clothed me. Is there anybody that's thankful in the room this morning? Are you thankful to God for his provision? Oh, man. There's something so powerful that happens when we thank him. Are you thankful for the people that surround you? Don't look at them just now. Don't look at them. But those people are special because they love you. Did you hear what I just said? Let me just give you an example. Guys, how many married men are in the room this morning? Would you raise your hand? Married men. Married me. Leave your hand up real quick. Guys. 
have you seen yourself in the mirror? Hmm? And God gave you that beautiful woman in spite of how ugly you are. Come on now. Come on, guys. I'm telling you what. God allowed her to be blind long enough to say, I do. Come on. You should look at her right now and say, thank you, baby. I tell you, right? And say, thank you, God. I'm telling you, God was merciful to some of you. <laughs> Woo. Come on, guys. Can you say, thank you, Jesus, for my wife? Thank you, Jesus, for my family? Ladies, how many married ladies are in the room today? All the married ladies? Okay, keep your hand up, ladies. All right. Now, that guy you're married to? He may not be the same guy you married, you know, the young, thin, lots of hair guy that you dated in high school. You can lower your hand now. Yeah, his hair is probably falling off to the ground. His chest has fallen down into his belly. His belly's falling down into his knees. I don't know, you know, his teeth may be like the stars now because they come out at night. I don't know what your situation is. You know, I don't know. But ladies, he's yours. Thank God for that. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for this man. He's my man. Turn around and tell him, you're my man, baby. Mm -hmm. Are you thankful for the people who are in your life? Are you thankful for your children? Are you thankful for your grandchildren? Those of you who are lucky enough like I am to have grandchildren, oh, let me tell you, it's being a granddad. Mm. There's just something special about that because you can spoil them then send them back home. Let mom and dad deal with all the mess. It's fantastic. Folks, there's something about being thankful that releases God's blessings into your life. And there's something powerful that happens when you just say, thank you, Jesus. You know, he says, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You'll never lack for bread. I was going to say some kind of wisecrack about some of you have had lots of bread. But I'm not going to say it. You'll never lack for bread. The psalmist David says, I've been young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their kids begging for bread. Hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Are you thankful? Are you thankful for the clothes you wear? Uh, we're all thankful for the clothes you wear. Let me tell you right now, I'd rather not see you without the clothes you wear. And it doesn't matter if you bought them at Macy's, J.C. Penney, or Salvation Army Thrift Store. You got clothes. We're all really happy about that this morning. Come on now. You should be too. Are you thankful for the shoes you wear? I grew up in a house where I wore the hand-me-downs, my older brother's pants and, and shoes because he was taller than me. and My parents didn't have a lot of money. And so my mom and dad would buy one set of brand new jeans and they had to last for like three generations because there were three boys in our house. My older brother, myself, and my younger brother. So I would get them from my, my older brother and then I'd pass them off to my younger brother. But then something terrible happened in our family one day. My younger brother became taller than me. And I mean, I, that meant I got them down now from third generation. By the time they showed up with me, my mother had put these huge patches on them back in the 70s. She, I don't know why, you know, it wasn't fashionable to wear jeans with, no, with, no, with holes in them. The other day I went down to Nordstrom and bought a pair of jeans that already had holes in them and paid I don't know how much money, and they were already ripped. And I'm looking at them, why wasn't this the fashion when I was 10 years old? And my mother would put these huge leather brown patches that she'd buy at Sears. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you bought the very same ones for your kids. And they're seeing their therapist because of it. I'm kidding. But I mean, those patches started off here and went all the way here. She put one here all the way down to here to cover all the holes. And I'd show up in school trying to hide my patches. There was no way to hide my patches. I tell you what, I look at myself now walking around these fancy shoes wearing this Salvatore Ferragamo tie that somebody gave me for my birthday and I look at my jacket and I say, God has been good to me and I'm very, very thankful for his goodness. Come on, somebody shout. 
Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Are you thankful for the car you drive? I mean, some of you probably drive a car that's got a dancing wheel on it. You, I've gone down 45. Sometimes I see boy, somebody driving down there, their wheels going. I just said, whoa, that's a dancing wheel right there. Get out of his way. You might be leaving a smoke screen behind you. Your guardian angels have asked themselves over and over what they're doing assigned to you with that car. Hey, but it's your car. You'll be thankful for it. It got you here this morning. Come on, somebody thank the Lord this morning for his blessings. Thank him for his goodness. Are you thankful for the fact that you're going to be able to eat this afternoon? You know there's people that can't eat. Aren't you glad you have a stomach that'll take it? There's people in hospitals who can't eat because their stomach can't take it. Aren't you thankful you have family members around you? Because some people have lost their family members today. Somebody give Jesus a thanksgiving this morning. Say, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness. You got to get rid of the griping and the complaining. Griping and complaining is the language of hell. Did you know this? That's what they speak in hell. I don't know. I don't understand. People didn't. How come they never asked me? And I, don't they know who I am? I'm, I'm thinking. What's the deal with this? rethink this all over all over again. I don't know why they got this excitable preacher this morning at this church. And I, I'm used to that Pastor Frankie and his bald head. And I don't understand why we got to put this through. We just gripe about everything. Stop griping. In Jesus' name. I'm going to say it again. Stop griping in Jesus' name. I'll tell you what, we know how to complain in the United States, don't we? You don't have to say amen. I know it's the truth. It's time for you to be thankful. It's time for you to exercise the language of heaven. The language of heaven is thanksgiving and praise and worship. Oh, God, I thank you for this excitable preacher they brought today. Oh, I thought you got a little more excited than that. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to go here and play the piano a little bit because I can. You think Isaiah's the only one who can play a piano in this place? Nathan, I need you to do me a favor. These glasses, I can't see a thing through them anymore. I'm looking at everybody by faith. <laughs> I love talking about Thanksgiving. I love encouraging people to be thankful. Man, we live in a blessed country, folks. Come on now. Come on now. We live in a blessed, blessed country. I was in a city in the north part of Mexico called Chihuahua. Hi, Chihuahua. And uh, the city has no bearing on why I wrote this song at all, but it's just interesting trivia. <laughs> this song was born in the city of Chihuahua. It's a song on Thanksgiving, and the chorus is so simple that you're going to be able to sing it the second time around. So once I sing it once, I want you to just join in with me. It's such a simple chorus. Lord, you took me into your arms. You have given me great love you have given me such mercy I'm unworthy of Lord your mercy everlasting I could never understand but for all the love and grace you've shown I just want to say that I thank you thank you the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. At the cross you gave your life for me as a gift of your great love. 
was the gift of everlasting life from above. set free I'm gonna shout it to the heavens with thanksgiving his court with praise give thanks and be grateful unto him hmm. uh, there was another scripture I was going to leave you on that point if you're taking your notes it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 1 Thessalonians 5 18 says give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will you hear people talking about oh I wonder what God's will for my life is well this is one of them this is one of the overt outright Outspoken, he said, this is my will. Give me thanks. Give me thanks. In all circumstances. In all circumstances. So, I told you I was going to give you three points this morning, right? Where am I at? All right, what's number one? Helps me keep perspective. What's number two? All right, here goes number three, and we're going to end with number three, and we're all going to go have lunch. You ready? Number three. Number three, when we worship God, it mobilizes God's armies in our favor. It mobilizes God's armies in our favor. You know God has armies, right? The Bible call, calls him the Lord of hosts. Hosts, it's not host. A host is one army. And a host means thousands upon thousands. And God is called the Lord of hosts. He doesn't have just one host. He has many hosts. In other words, he has thousands upon thousands of thousands upon thousands. And God's hosts are available to be mobilized in your favor to fight for you. I thought that would excite you a little more than it did. God's hosts are available to us to fight for us. Psalm chapter 68, verse 1. Let God arise and his enemies will be scattered. You see, when you worship God, when you praise God, you're allowing the opportunity for God to arise, for God to stand out. 
That's what that word arise means. He stands out. He is separated from all the rest. He stands up. In fact, there's a scripture in Psalms says that God goes up. He goes up among the shouts of his people. Does Celebration Church know how to shout every now and then? Every now and then you just gotta, you just gotta learn how to let out a shout. Whoa! And God says, ooh, I like the sound of that. And he stands up to find out, where did that shout come from? And you say, from down here, Lord. And God looks over to Gabriel, and he says, hey, Gabe, get some armies to fight for my friends and my family down there at Celebration Church. Send some armies to fight for them. Now, you say, oh, Pastor Marcos, that sounds a little bit fairy taleish. It's not. It's scripture. In fact, if we all had the time, we could study all kinds of situations in the Bible where God sent armies to fight for his people. But we don't have time. And I'm hungry. I'm ready to get out of here and go have a little lunch. Thank you very much. But I am going to talk to you about one situation. Only one. It's Gideon. When Gideon was hiding because he didn't know what to do. They were surrounded by enemies on all sides. In fact, the scripture says there were so many enemies they couldn't be counted. Imagine the number. They would come out of their tents every morning and look, and they were surrounded all the way around them. There were enemies, and there were so many of the enemies that they couldn't even count them. They couldn't number the enemies. So Gideon says, I'm getting out of here. And he went to go hide. And while he's hiding, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Gideon, you great and mighty young man. Gideon looks at the, at the messenger angel and says, are you sure you got the right address? I'm down here hiding. Some of you, some of us, are surrounded with so many problems that so many times all we want to do is pull that sheet over the top of our head and just hide for a little bit longer. I don't know if there's anybody out there that says amen to that, but I've been there. And I've heard the voice of the angel say, hey, Marcos. Yes, Lord. You mighty man of God. Are you sure about that? You say, Pastor Marcos, you mean you go through stuff too? Of course we do. I don't know who it was that tried to sell the idea that pastors and preachers and people who stand up and teach the Bible are perfect and they never have any problems. That's a bunch of not truth. <laughs> I kind of painted myself in a corner there, didn't I? <laughs> I was going to speak some Greek to you there real quick. I mean, we have situations just like you do. You know why? Because we're just like you are. You know, just like you. I, I, I get colds and I cough and, and, and I get runny nose. And just like you, I, 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 I eat Mexican food and stuff happens. <laughs> Too much information. But it happens because just like you, I'm a man who needs to take hold of the hand of God and believe for my miracles day in and day out, just like you. Just like you. Just because I'm up here preaching doesn't mean that I'm exempt from problems and situations. Sometimes, because we're preaching, we have even more problems and situations because the enemy puts us into his target and tries to get us down. Folks, every day, when we worship God, in spite of our circumstances, it shows faith. Write that word down. You see, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But when you show faith, you see, God knows your circumstance. He knows what you're going through, and he's looking at you, and he's looking, that, and he's seeing that you're worshiping him in spite of your situation. That stirs and moves him to action. He looks down on you and he sees that you're going through that heartache and you're going through that pain and you don't know how you're going to deal with that debt and you don't know how to deal with your mother-in-law. I've got a great mother-in-law. We get along great, she and I. It really helps me that she lives about 4,000 miles up the road. It's a wonderful woman of God. <laughs> now, I'm just kidding. Those are jokes. If you're a mother-in-law, don't send me emails. Why don't you talk bad about mothers-in-law? It's a joke. 
But I did hear that they're only going to let 30% of mothers-in-law into heaven. Did you hear this news? Did y'all... You haven't heard that news here yet? It's, no, 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 yeah, yeah. They're only going to let 30% mothers into heaven because after 30%, that no longer is heaven. That's actually hell if there's that many mothers-in-law. It's a joke, folks. Goodness gracious. <laughs> it's a joke. If you're a mother-in-law and the shoe fits, well, it's too bad. <laughs> hey, we've all got situations we have to deal with. But when you express worship to God in spite of your circumstance, God fights for you. In fact, God wants to fight for some of you this very day. God's ready to fight for some of you this very day. Do you need God to fight for you? Does somebody have a circumstance you need God to fight for you on, on your behalf? You know he's going to do it. In fact, this is what we're going to do. I'm done. So stand to your feet, and we're going to just worship for a minute or two. I'm going to ask you to raise both hands to the sky. Hopefully you put deodorant on this morning so it's not a, you know, it's not a curse to the person standing next to you that you raise your hand. Raise both hands to the sky. Both hands, as high as you can get them. High as you can get them. Thank you. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Can you say that out loud? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I bless your holy name. Now, lower your hands and look at me real quick. Gideon got a group of guys together, about 10,000 of them, and God said, that's too many. It's too many. What do you mean it's too many? Look around. There's all these problems. Some of you looking out of your window, you see so many problems, you can't even count them, just like Gideon. And God says, I'm going to do a miracle. Send 9,700 of those guys home. 9,000? That only leaves me with 300. God says, yep, I can do with 300. What others can't do with anyone. So, send them home. So, Gideon sends them all home. So, 300 guys are left. And Gideon rounds up 300 trumpets and 300 lamps with little clay pots that were covering the lamps. And he sends 100 of the guys that way, 100 on that side, and 100 on the other side. The enemy is down in a valley down there. It's late at night. It's dark, 2, 3, 4 in the morning. They're all sound asleep. There's 100 of Gideon guys over there, 100 of Gideon guys over here, 100 of Gideon guys over here. Now, can you imagine what's going through these guys' head? They're standing out there at 3 o'clock in the morning with a trumpet in one hand. They got a clay pot with some light on the inside. One guy looks at the other and says, hey, what, what, what do you think we're going to do? I don't know. Gideon just said when he would shout, we're supposed to blow the trumpet and break the clay pot with the trumpet. What, what's going to happen after that? <laughs> I don't know, man. The one guy said to the other, I wish I'd have gone home with the 9,700 that went home. <laughs> the other guy looked at him and said, Word. <laughs> what are we going to do on the side of a hill with a trumpet in our hand? Those guys down there got spears and swords and guns and cannons and use your imagination a little bit. <laughs> the Bible says Gideon shouted. And when he shouted, all 300 of the guys, 100 over there, 100 over there, 100 over there, they broke open their clay pot. The light came out 3 o'clock in the morning, okay? Dark, dark, dark. Light comes out, and all of a sudden, boop, 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 doo, 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 doo. now, go with me to the enemy camp. They're all sound asleep, two or three guards walking around. All you can hear is the snoring and the crickets. It's dark. When all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, there's this light all around them and trumpet sounds. Have you ever been woke up at three in the morning by a loud noise? It sounds louder at three o'clock in the morning. One day, my granddaughter had been at our house and she had this little toy that when you would roll it, it would go, Woo! 
hurt like this. It was like a clown that would do this. I got up at 3.30 one morning and walked to the bathroom and accidentally hit and activated that little toy at 3.30 in the morning and went, Woo! I got chills up and down my spine. I started rebuking the devil. <laughs> I thought, whoa. My wife woke up, what was that? I don't know. We turned all the lights on. Is that crazy toy? I kicked it across the room. <laughs> that enemy is sound asleep, and they're woke up by this trumpet sounds. It freaked them out in such a way that they come to life. They start bumping into each other. Hey, why did you kick me? I didn't kick you, but I will now. And they kick and they hit each other. The Bible says that while Gideon stood calmly and his men stood calmly on the side of a mountain, worshiping God with their trumpets, God sent confusion to the camp of the enemy and they killed themselves among themselves. That's what God's gonna do for you this afternoon. Can somebody shout? Can somebody make some noise? Blow your trumpet. Shine your light. God will fight for you. Let's sing this song together. Shout for the victory. Come on. The enemy has been defeated.